figure out what works first and do more of what's working instead of looking at what sucks and trying to fix it. Second, you should always be testing and measuring. So if you have something that is working or you know has some sort of possibility there, you can A-B test that and there are tools like HubSpot that can do what you need to do and that can help you do test and measure. So make sure that you're cataloging that and that you're tracking those. Growing a business requires a holistic approach that extends beyond sales and marketing. This approach needs alignment among people, processes, and technologies. So if you're a business owner, operations, or finance leader looking to learn growth strategies from your peers and competitors, you're tuned into the right podcast. Welcome to the WBS Podcast, where scalable growth using business systems is our number one priority. Now, here is your host, Sam Gupta. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the WBS Podcast. I'm Sam Gupta, your host and principal consultant at digital transformation consulting firm Elevate IQ. A lot of you might feel that email is dead. That's not true at all, especially if you are talking about consumer-centric businesses for which engagement is key to staying on top of their mind, which may not be possible through other methods because they could be cost prohibitive. It could also be true with some B2B businesses where cross-sell and upsell opportunities might exist. Also, you might not like the automation through bots because of impersonal interaction. But a bot is better than no chat option at all. It could be very handy to enable a 24 cross 7 customer service chat option for businesses where hiring costs of customer service agents might not be justifiable. So what are the strategies that matter when it comes to email and mail bots? In today's episode, we invited a panel of cross-functional experts for a live interview on LinkedIn who brings significant expertise to discuss how to win more loyal customers with happy email and mail bot. We discussed the scenarios where email marketing will be fit versus where it might not be as fit and how it can help with loyalty. Finally, we covered the differences between mail bots and chat bots and if they have a place, don't have a place and where do they have a place. With that, Let's get to the conversation. Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's show. And if you're joining for the first time, this is part of our e-commerce series for which we meet every Wednesday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern. We pick one topic related to e-commerce, and we always have a very exciting panel for you. For today, we are going to be discussing a lot about email, email marketing, and how to create loyalty using that. We are also be talking about the best practices of automation as well as mail bots. So we are going to be covering all of that. But before that, we are going to start with everybody's intro. And I am going to be starting with me first. Uh, if you don't know who I am, I am Sam Gupta. I am the principal at Elevate IQ. Elevate IQ's focus is the independent ERP and digital transformation. Uh, and we help our customers with the business process re-engineering during the pre-implementation phase. And we are going to be helping with any sort of integration flows related to your e-commerce strategy along with the key. Now, I am going to move with Ben. Ben, would you like to introduce yourself? Hey, thanks, Sam. Uh, I'm excited to be back. Uh, new year, new panels, all that kind of stuff. This is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, my name is Ben Searcy. I uh, am a co-founder at a company called Govi. We This is actually right in our wheelhouse because a, a majority of what we do is kind of 
really about building more loyalty and putting the processes in place to get the most and give the most to your customers. So I'm excited about today's topic and uh, happy to answer any questions and hopefully have an insight or two to share. Okay, thank you so much for being here, Ben. Dave, can I move to you next for your introduction? Of course. Thanks, everybody. And thanks, Sam, for having us on again. Um, I am the founder and owner of BusyWeb, which is a digital marketing slash growth marketing slash inbound agency based out of Minneapolis. We've been doing this for 23 years now, and we work with the B2B services industries and kind of a lot of manufacturing to help drive emails and automation and connect up. The tool that I use mostly for that is HubSpot. And so that'll probably be my keyword. And or if you've got a drinking game running, every time Dave says HubSpot, go ahead and take a shot. Thanks. All right. Thank you so much for being here, Dave. Kira, can I ask you to introduce yourself next? Yeah, absolutely. Happy to be here. Happy New Year. A bit belated. Uh, my company is called Customerization. We implement business automation systems, specifically Zoho and to end business automation and Microsoft Dynamics. Uh, so it's not only about marketing, it's about automating the whole business and marketing definitely is the first step for the business growth and then maximizing it through different processes. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here, Kira. Uh, Steve, can I move to you next for your introduction? Yes. Thank you, Sam. Thanks for uh, allowing me to be on this panel with all these fine people. Uh, my name is Steve Rice. I am the founder of Dotcom Jungle and the Globally Conscious Leader. And uh, this also fits in our wheelhouse in a different way because we uh, regularly work with uh, manufacturers and consumer products, goods, companies to work on the technical side of implementations so that folks like Dave and Ben and uh, Tally and Kira can actually uh, get their automations in place inside systems like HubSpot. So we, we help create the connectivity from websites and ERPs and stuff like that. Okay, amazing. Thank you so much for being here, Steve. Tally, first time joining the show. Can I ask you to introduce yourself? You save uh, best for the uh, for the first. <laughs> exactly. Uh, hi everyone, and Sam, thank you very much for the invitation. Um, Happy New Year, uh, and uh, my name is Tally, and I am managing partner of digital marketing agency called WSI Digital Pass. So we work uh, quite a lot with the manufacturing, construction some professional services, and I personally have been around email. I have very heavy uh, experience around email strategy, uh, automation, segmentation for probably more than 15 years. So I have been working on different levels of uh, platforms, and so we can, we can collaborate on this. Thank you. Okay, amazing. Thank you so much for being here, Telly. And we are going to dig right into the topic. Uh, before that, we are going to cover some points for the audience and uh, if you guys are if you guys have any questions related to email marketing make sure you are going to be commenting them in the comments we will try to address as many comments as we can during the episode if we don't have time then we will be getting back to you with your questions and comments now i am starting with you ben uh, and my question for you is going to be uh, obviously, when people think of email, a lot of people, uh, you know, think that, you know what, email is really dead. But in my opinion, I think email is one of the tools to create the loyalty. So in your experience, what have you seen in which scenario where emails are going to be the right fit in getting those loyalty metrics that you are looking for from the customer experience perspective? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, well, first, let me address the fact email is absolutely not dead. Uh, I was reading yesterday, there's a stat, there's something like half a billion emails go out a day or something like that. No, so 
500 billion emails go out a day or some ridiculous number. There's so many emails that go out there and people wouldn't do it if it wasn't actually effective. Uh, in terms of uh, how to do it, I think one of the things I actually like to talk about at the beginning is if, if you're trying to build loyalty, the first and the most important thing is to make sure that people are actually going to open up your emails. A welcome email is critical. And to build an email, I, I forgive me, I don't remember the exact stat off the top of my head, but it was somewhere between 80 and 85 percent uh, open rate on a welcome email when people know it's just welcome to the crew. That is the, I think, from my perspective, the critical starting point, because you start training your customers in an appropriate way to open your emails and provide them good content. Secondarily, uh, we're talking about loyalty. Loyalty, of course, means longer time as a customer, more purchase behavior, which means you have to get the right content in front of them uh, at the right time. The big thing on that is list segmentation, which is probably a question you're going to ask a little bit later. Uh, so I won't go too far into it at the moment. Uh, all I'll say is when you segment properly, you increase the open rate uh, by on average around 50% because people know that the content they're getting is relevant to them. So by doing these two things, and we can dive into all of this much further uh, later if we'd like to, but by doing both of these things, what you're doing is you're training your customer to understand that you actually care about them and you're going to provide them something worth their time. Therefore, they're going to look at your content, uh, ideally take more action. Of course, we can get into messaging and all that kind of stuff. But uh, it, it's important to start off on the right foot. Everything else follows beyond that. So not totally sure if I answered your question. I just realized I might have gone on a slight tangent. Uh, so feel free to circle me back in. But those are when we talk about loyalty and email, I kind of get excited as long as people are doing it right. Otherwise, you're absolutely right. Email's dead. If you're sending someone the, the wrong content, uh, someone's into an ERP solution and you're sending them, you know, YouTube videos, it's probably not going to go as well. OK, so you are definitely right on track. And, uh, you know, you made some really important point that you need to start right. And there are a lot of moving parts when it comes to email. And obviously, it's a, it's, it's an art and science, uh, you know, that need to go together. You need to figure out your targeting if you don't have that figured out. Uh, obviously, it's going to be really challenging. And some of the things that you mentioned from the welcome email perspective, obviously, that is going to be super. So, Dave, I am actually going to move to you. Uh, what do you think overall from the email perspective? Where have you seen uh, email being the right fit and where uh, you have seen email being not as great fit, uh, you know, from the marketing perspective? Thanks, Sam. And I think the the best fit for email marketing is anytime you need to deliver a message immediately to an audience that you already know. So spam comes in when you're delivering messages to people that you don't know or you're sending them things that they don't want. So spam is never a good idea. Buying lists is generally not a good idea unless you deliver some sort of intense value right away. So my general kind of kind of sweeping yeah, email marketing and yeah, the, the general rule of thumb on email marketing and the investment is you probably get back about 36 bucks for every dollar you spend in email marketing. And that's mostly because you're directly connecting with exactly the right person with exactly the right message. That assumes that you've sent a nice welcome email and that you've warmed people up like Ben mentioned. And it also assumes that you're delivering value at every turn. So as long as you're connecting and driving content and value to people, email is the way to go. So it's kind of everybody can use email as long as it's useful content, but don't ever spam. So if you're delivering junk and you're not getting it, you're not getting in front of the right people, you're sending it kind of broadcast and being lazy with your marketing, 
email is not a good fit. Okay, amazing insights there. And I love the way you always emphasize on either value or the usability. And if you are really providing the value and being usable, I don't think you are going to be spam unless you don't understand uh, the, the same value that your audience cares for. So thank you so much, uh, Dave, for that insight. Kira, I'm actually going to come to you for your insight. Where do you think email is fit? And where have you seen email being a terrible fit? Absolutely. And you know me, I like to simplify and generalize and talk simple terms. So I think it's all about the goal your emails uh, are trying to achieve. So I would name three major goals that I have seen from my practice uh, that are easier to articulate, but hard to achieve. So I would say goal number one is to build expectation uh, with your customers. And I'm talking about existing customers, not talking about like spamming, like Dave mentioned. So if you are delivering value, high value, highly valuable content on a specific cadence, uh, I wouldn't say you train your customers, but you build specific expectation uh, that helps them expect for your valuable emails to arrive and open them. That's number one. Just build expectation, build loyalty, therefore. The second point will be building trust. And that's how I formulate the point mentioned about the list segmentation. Segmentation means you cluster your customers according to specific criteria, be it their behavior or location or whatnot. So thus, you can send customized messaging and you show them that you care. You know who they are. And that's how you build loyalty. So this is building trust. And the third point, which is mostly on the business side, less about customer experience, but about your business, is we, if you have a good email database of loyal customers, you can basically control the demand and control sales because this is a great tool to launch campaigns, cross sales, upsells, launch new propositions, whatnot. So if you plan that well, if you leverage highly valuable content with promotional campaigns, that's a great channel. Uh, where it doesn't work, uh, as people said, if you are lazy, because email marketing is much harder than most people think. Yeah, could not agree more. It does require a lot of work, Kira, and, and you bring some really, really important point. In fact, I mean, you are probably building uh, to what Dave had said about being usable. But to be usable, you need to first set the expectations. As uh, Ben had mentioned about the welcome email, sometimes the welcome email could be spam as well if your customers don't care for. So if you actually set the expectations with the customers, then you can build the trust. So thank you so much for all those points. Steve, I am coming to you for your commentary. And obviously, you can agree, disagree with what everybody has said so far. But what I am really looking for is where you have seen the email marketing being a fit and where it's not as great fit. Well, I, I'm going to echo uh, everybody so far. I mean, the, the good fit is in general when you're actually sending people stuff they want and that has value. Bad fit is when you're sending people who don't want it, something they don't want, or people who said they want something, then sending them something they don't want. We've all experienced that. Um, I think uh, what I'd say is like, you know, both Ben and Kira talked about segmentation. I think Dave touched on that. I think that uh, what we're talking about when we talk about segmentation is tracking or understanding who these people are by their activities. Even if it's something as simple as I bought this particular machine that needs replacement parts, you've segmented the, that customer into somebody who bought that machine. That's a segment. 
they didn't buy the other machine. So you're not going to send them a, knowing that, that those parts often last about six months, you're not going to send them an email for machine number two to buy replacement parts six months from now. So when we're talking about segmentation, what we're really talking about is you getting to know your customers, uh, identifying them based on the activities that they've taken. And it doesn't just have to be purchasing and then sending them something that's actually relevant. If, if they're a guitar player who seems to be buying lots of guitars and never buys pedals, you're not going to be sending them or you shouldn't be sending them emails with, uh, here's 140 pedals you might be interested in. So seg- segmentation is really, really easy to do. It, uh, it's also difficult to conceptualize. And I think most executives don't understand it at all. Um, but they need to know, like the CEOs and CMOs need to know what segmentation is and they need to understand why their marketing director and the employees are talking about it and how it's going to affect the messaging. Because there's a lot of different messages that need to be. So, um, and, and I would say Dave's $36 per $1 invest, invested, that's a really good benchmark. I think historically, five years ago, we heard $41. And if you have a really good segmented list and you're using it well that number can go 80 to 100 dollars so okay love the points there uh you know especially about segmentation if you can figure out your segmentation obviously that's half the battle in my experience i think we are going to have a little debate there uh you know between kira and steve whether segmentation is going to be easy or hard <laughs> in my opinion most people struggle uh with the right segmentation because that's really key for the right targeting so thank you so much for all those points <laughs> now I am actually going to move to Telly. Unless, Steve, you have any follow-up comments, please. I, I was just going to say, you know, it's both easy and difficult. And I think that what what people do is they think too hard about it to begin with. And and um, I would say start segmenting and start. It's all about A-B testing and learning. And if you're not segmenting, you're losing. Because, um, But if you have just one email list and you're just sending to everybody, you're not segmenting. In that case, in that sense, it's it's hard. But to to make two email lists out of the same people based on one set of criteria, that's actually pretty easy. Start there. All right, love it. Amazing insights. Thank you so much, Steve. Telly, I'm actually going to come to you. Uh, so you know, if you agree or disagree with anything uh, anybody has said, obviously you do this for a living, so you are going to have far deeper insights uh, just because you are spending a lot more time on the email strategy. So from your experience where the email marketing is going to be a threat and where it is not going to be a threat. Yeah, uh, so I uh, absolutely agree with everyone uh, and everything said uh, earlier. Saying that, I see email a little bit more holistically from strategy perspective. For me, email channel actually connects everything else that done digitally online. Email, it's actually a connection point because businesses many times, they spend money to generate leads, right? So they do paid search, they do SEO, they do social campaigns. At the end, what do you do with those, uh, you know, leads or people that landed on your uh, website or on your online properties, right? So you have to provide them to keep them to either to nurture the, the words we use or to keep them interested and basically uh, a loyalty. And that's funny enough, uh, last uh, Litmus uh, conference I was speaking, my topic was uh, how email marketing affects uh, customers' loyalty, right? So I see many, many times, more than once, twice, uh, that systems that uh, customers have, email systems, CRM, 
they're not connected, right? So many times what happens, someone unsubscribes here, and sometimes uh, customers or businesses, they have no, no idea about data at all, right? What's going on? So here they unsubscribe. Here you, you keep sending them some kind of unsegmented emails. You have no clue what they want. And this is basically when the perception of spam and spamming customers with email happens, right? So it's it's extremely important, first of all, to have, you know, somehow system integrated and look at the email more holistically, right? Not just as email channel. And I agree, it's providing value, but I think that it has a little bit you know, higher higher level of uh, uh, strategy in, in 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 all these puzzles, and this is why email actually has such high uh, return on, on investment, right? If I may say, uh, one of sometimes I hear and I speak to you know tech development companies, and I'm saying, okay, where is the welcome email? Is it customers getting notified when someone subscribes? Or we don't want to spam people with additional messages so welcome email in their opinion consider it as a spam so i think there is some you know mental misconceptions still exist and it it but everything said uh, obviously i agree where i don't see a good fit when for example covid hit and you get an email from business that you purchased 15 years ago or something you never heard from them and suddenly they let you know that we all in this together it's not a good feeling. Okay, some great points there, and I completely agree, especially if the event is going to be as emotional as COVID, you want to be a little sensitive when you are going to be sending that email. You definitely don't want to come across as salesy, even if you are being super polite in your email. Um, you know, people are going to perceive that as being salesy. And the other point that you mentioned, even if you have everything integrated, email has such complex workflow uh, that you might still have failure points. So you really need to train your customer service and how to handle that. And I'll give you some examples. For example, let's say, you know, if a person, uh, let's say, never subscribed to an email list, but they had email coming from a forward list or the employee left. And because of that, they are actually getting email and they might not even know that they actually subscribed. But, you know, so they are simply getting an email and they are going to get mad at that company that uh, you are sending that email. So uh, technical infrastructure may not be able to solve all your problems. You need to be a little sensitive, uh, you know, and trained from the customer service perspective. Thank you so much, uh, Telly, for that. So Ben, I'm actually coming back to you for the next segment, and which is going to be really the strategies around loyalty and how email marketing can really drive the loyalty. And if you want to touch any of the KPIs around loyalty based on emails. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um... Yeah, just to to tack on to what everyone else is saying, uh, this is all relevant for loyalty because, uh, as I think Dave mentioned, right content at the right time is really important. And also, uh, before I jump into the loyalty element, I, I forgot to mention earlier that it's uh, it's also important to understand where your prospect or your customer or whoever we're emailing to is actually likely to look at the email. I mean, if I remember right, Gen Zers uh, look at, uh, I think 67% of them look at their phone. So you don't want like a really big image or, you know, tiny little text or, you know, things like that. That's going to mess things up. So in terms of loyalty, though, I, I often look at uh, open rates and response rates. I, I think a lot of people take a look at uh, people look at metrics in general in marketing. Uh, I think uh, to Tali's point, uh, they don't look at it as a holistic element. So someone's like, I got an amazing open rate. Great. That doesn't do anything for you. It's a KPI. It's a vanity metric, really. Uh, because if you have a 100% open rate and a 0% click rate, it's useless. 
So what I like to look at is the way that the emails are actually working. So I would rather have a smaller open rate, but a significantly higher activity rate because it's tell, telling me I'm getting the right content to the right people. And that's also telling me I got to take a look at who's not opening. That's a different segment. Uh, that's something else. Those people need other content. Uh, in fact, I just sent an email uh, about two hours ago. And the, the list I was given uh, for this particular project was about 7,000 people strong. Nothing crazy. Uh, the problem was it was very specific to a sales topic. And uh, there was only about 400 and I want to say about 420 of them in there that were salespeople. And then we have communications managers and we have all these other people. I just cut out 6,000 uh, emails that we were going to send to. Because when we want to talk about loyalty uh, and building loyalty, we're, we're going to get to the same topic. I think we're going to hammer it over and over again. Giving them the content that's relevant will make them take action. When people take action, there's a psychological response people have in general when they take action on your behalf, whether it's, uh, I think we've talked about this in a previous uh, scenario where um, it's called tripwire in, in internet marketing. Um, you know, it's slightly an aggressive term, but it basically what it is, is you're shifting someone's mentality from prospect or cold to warm. Once you've done that, they're more likely to take in further engagements with you and stay for a longer period of time. So the KPI I'm, I'm actually looking for is actually a comparison between open rates, click rates, and then action rates on the back end. And the action doesn't necessarily have to be a purchase. It depends on what I'm asking for. The action can be any number of things. It, it can really even be like engagement on a, a survey. It can be just cruising around on the website. Sometimes it's uh, you're sending an email to let them know you have new content out there. Uh, they're not buying anything from you from that content necessarily. But if you're starting to show people are consistently looking at the right content or taking the action that you're asking for, whatever that is, purchase or otherwise, you're building up loyalty. So I, I look at it as a, uh, to Tali's point, a more holistic approach. Uh, and I very much encourage people to ignore the vanity metrics. You know, the board's going to ask you how many opens you have. It doesn't matter unless you're, if they're in KPI is how much did you sell from that email? Did you get the $36 per dollar spent? It doesn't matter how many people open. That only matters to you to make it more optimized. Okay, amazing. Thank you so much uh, for those insights. And I love the way you keep bringing the open versus click rate and the action rate. I think this is the second time that you are probably speaking in a panel, which I absolutely love and appreciate. And I'm pretty sure Dave is probably going to build on that. Uh, but what I want Dave to do is, number one, address the question that we have from Dave Freister. I am actually going to read that. Uh, and then cover the loyalty, uh, you know, the effect of email marketing on loyalty, uh, KPIs and strategies. So here, what Dave is asking is, would you suggest breaking out the segments that are not engaging and A-B test new messaging or campaigns? Dave, over to you. Yep. So um, Dave, thanks for the question. And I answered a little bit in stream, but in general, if you have a segment or if you have a list that, that it just isn't converting, a lot of times I'll recommend that you not put good money after bad. So figure out what works first and do more of what's working instead of looking at what sucks and trying to fix it. So that's that's my that's my pithy first answer. But second, you should always be testing and measuring. So if you have something that is working or you know has some sort of possibility there, you can A-B test that and there are tools like HubSpot um, that can do what you need to do and that can help you do test and measure. So make sure that you're 
cataloging that and that you're tracking those and just always watch those key metrics. Ben hit a couple of amazing metrics that every email marketer should be looking at. The thing that I want to layer on top of email opens versus email clicks is if you see an email that has a high open rate, but a low click rate, you found something that was interesting, but that perhaps you didn't meet the promise of the subject line. You brought them in, but then you, they didn't really go anywhere. So you're you're not hitting them with the right message. So you need to fine tune that. And that's where some maybe testing can work. Conversely, if you have a low open rate on an email message, but a very high click through rate, you've just found a niche. You found a group of people who are really into whatever you just sent them. You want to cultivate that list, put it aside, and send them more of what that is. So you can use some of this stuff in emails and opens. You wouldn't think by just looking at email rate and open or open rate and click-through rate that you would get some usable information. But looking at the data and what people are doing can be very, very helpful. Now, I'm going to throw one more layer on top of all this. And I, I, I apologize, Sam. I'm going to throw more plates up and spin them until everything starts falling down. But the whole iOS 15 and the and all of the stuff that we're seeing in opens every apple device that is up to date which is most of them is giving you an inflated open rate because it's just showing yep it was it was opened as soon as it was delivered so you have to actually look more at clicks now and interactions to get the real data out of your marketing and there's going to be an entire avalanche of changes to the email marketing industry as a result of all of those changes it's a very small little thing but we now need to focus more on what people are actually doing, how many times they're following the CTA, and they're actually going all the way into what we intend them to do. Okay, amazing insights there. And uh, I want to make sure you are able to address the comment that you send in the direct message to me. So do you oh, want to yeah. cover the target market uh, as well? Yes, one, one last thing. Um, earlier, earlier, we were talking about email marketing and when you should use it and when you shouldn't use it, when it's a good fit and when it's a bad fit. Good fit almost always, but might be a bad fit depending on the audience. If you're trying to reach Gen Z, under 20-year-olds maybe, my kids don't open emails. I don't care what you do. If you want not to get found, send them an email. And so Snapchat, WeChat, WhatsApp, SMS are good alternatives for that. But you need to build that in if you have an engagement strategy that needs to reach younger people. You can't guarantee that they're going to open it. Okay, amazing. Thank you so much, uh, Dave. And Ben, do you want to go uh, with your comment uh, that you have, Ben? Yeah, just a real quick thing I wanted to mention to Dave. Uh, the One of the things I think we forget about a lot of times when split testing, unengaged audiences in particular, is the cadence. I get a bunch of emails that I actually really like, but they send me like, one or two emails a day. I won't read them. But if they sent me like a weekly thing, so I just wanted to throw that out there. If you are going to split test, consider content, but also just consider the cadence. How often are you actually touching these people? And give people the power. If you're sending them three times a day, give them the option when they hit unsubscribe to, can I just send you once a week? Yeah. Awesome. All right. Amazing, guys. Thank you so much, Sukira. I'm actually going to come to you uh, for your points about email marketing, driving the loyalty, any KPIs or strategies, or you can agree, disagree with what has been discussed so far. Yeah. And I actually Googled best you know, email applications for loyalty strategy, whatnot. And there are tons of lists, but actually here I would like to be cautious with generalizing and saying best practices because you can do something that's not a fit for your business if you don't know your audience well, and then you will 
waste time, money, resource, you'll be frustrated. So Tali mentioned CRM and other tools. These are critical for segmentation. So you need to be able to get at least basic information about your clients altogether, be able to analyze it and make decisions how to segment that audience. And from there, compiled with your major goals you want to achieve, you will decide what to test and what are the best loyalty approaches for email. Yes, it can be something, you know, around just uh, increasing traffic to the website. Yes, it can be increasing sales. Yes, it can be maybe a referral program because you know that you don't really have money for advertising, for mass advertising, but you have very loyal customers who can refer their friends or family or whatnot. So I would say success of loyalty via email marketing would depend on how well you know the audience. This is point number one. And again, CRM and other systems are critical uh, to be taken into account. But the other point would be, and we mentioned this in different aspects, we might be overthinking email marketing, honestly, because I work with many manufacturers and not all of them have the agency to rely on. Not many of them have like a capable marketing person in stuff. It might be someone who was at the counter and they are good with digital or they are good with videos and they are considered a marketing person. So if you've never done email marketing, maybe just saying, hey, I'm going to research about newsletter that will go off once a month. Same for everybody. I'll start there and see what works and then how I sophisticate that. Maybe that would be the best approach to build loyalty and then you can sophisticate. So my whole point is to like read about best practices, listen to us, of course, but filter out what's relevant for your business. Every business these days with all this digital noise needs a personalized solution because if you don't have the bottom line, you will not have those 18, 36, $45, nothing. Could not agree more. Some great insights there. I love the points about knowing the audience and, uh, uh, you know, not overthinking uh, about email marketing. Thank you so much, Kira, for that. So, Steve, I am actually going to come to you uh, for your insights about email driving the loyalty and KPIs, strategies, or you can agree, disagree with whatever has been that so far. Well, I... I... There's one thing I'm going to be dogmatic about that the other people won't, uh, you know, necessarily agree with me on. And I think because I work almost specifically in the consumer products, goods and manufacturing industry, and we sell things. There's only one KPI that matters, and that's dollars. And more specifically, what what I think the, the main KPI is customer lifetime value. And you can measure customer lifetime value based on cohorts. And those cohorts can be based on the time that they came into the company, uh, or they can be based on uh, a referrer uh, or both. Um, but I think you need to be measuring customer lifetime value so that you can actually make projections on how much you might want to invest in working on a new relationship with a new referrer, if, if that's the case. Or uh, you also, a cohort could be all the people that came in through Google ads, uh, you know, or some paid advertising. Those people might be worth, I, I guarantee you, they're worth something different than your organic people. Sometimes they're worth more, sometimes they're worth less. But, but that, you need to know what that is because uh, you might have a subscription service 
that allows that person to be worth more than the 10 bucks they paid uh, to start because they might be paying 10 bucks for five years, right? You know? So um, the other thing is, is when you, we were talking earlier as, as a group, we were talking about unengaged folks. It, kind of, the, the, it came up as part of a David Chrysler's offline question, you know, so to speak. And what I want to point out to people is that if you're on the marketing team that's developing these emails, you really need to be thinking systematically. You you should you, there isn't an unengaged group of people that you're gonna find in a spreadsheet or you're gonna export from your website and then import into an email system and then send an email to. What you're going to do is you're going to create a rule inside a system like HubSpot that says anyone who hasn't engaged in an email or maybe hasn't opened it or hasn't clicked on a link or hasn't bought anything in 60 days or 120 days or 180, you're not going to make this list. You're going to make a rule or more precisely, you're probably going to make 12 rules. And once you realize what these rules are, you're going to come up with about 40 more. And those rules are going to be segmenting people into the categories that you need them to be in. So so that's where you then go back and say, well, I'm going to create a piece of content for these unengaged people. And this particular one, I like to call the Paul of Gloom letter. This is actually something we used before the internet at a company. But a Paul of Gloom has descended upon this company because we haven't heard from you in over a year and a half, right? But if they don't respond to that, they're out. In the meantime, you've got these other things that say, well, gosh, everybody who has responded to an email or clicked on something is in this list and everybody who bought something in the last 60 days and then is this list and then everyone who's actually bought something every 60 days is in this list those are all different human beings that require a different tone a different type of excitement and that's how you need to be thinking about segmentation we're not talking about grabbing spreadsheets off your website I, I'm saying this because I have clients who do this. They grab a spreadsheet of all their manufacturers out of the ERP, and then they pump them into the thing and into HubSpot, and they think, I just made a list. And what they did is just, you know, uh, I don't know, um, enforced a, a legacy technology issue onto a dynamic system like HubSpot, which is, you know, frustrating for people like Dave and I and, and you, Sam, to deal with. So uh, everybody here. So think systematically, get your people thinking systematically and think about the rules that are in HubSpot and MailChimp and AWeber and all those systems because that's how they work strongest. Yeah, completely agree. I think you guys have similar layers. Telly and Steve, you guys were talking about taking the comprehensive and systematic approach. I also agree. And by the way, I love the point that you keep bringing in every single panel about the customer lifetime value. Uh, I think that is the key metric that everybody should be thinking about. And in my books, the only KPI always is going to be dollar, which is a great point. But there are going to be scenarios where, you know, you need to figure out your path to dollar. Yes, dollar is important, but figure out your path to dollar. So on that note, I am actually going to move to Telly. Telly, what is your perspective in terms of uh, the email marketing driving loyalty, KPIs, strategies, and if you agree, disagree with anything that has been said so far? Yeah, there are actually so many things uh, around around this correlation. We don't, unfortunately, we don't have uh, that uh, much time. But uh, to Ben and uh, Dave points about 
uh, Apple privacy and open. So there, there has been a lot of noise going around in email community about, you know, open rate that we, we should only measure clicks. Some people, uh, uh, you know, say, no, we still have to, to look at the uh, open rates as well. So I'm from, from the clients that we're working with, I don't see, um, many changes yet because it's apparently will be rolling in uh, uh, gradually uh, and not everyone upgraded to the system not everyone signed for the privacy uh, so but uh, uh, to ben's point it's really important i absolutely agree to look at uh, actually the end point the the goal of the email why we send in the email right so if the goal of the email is to download a white paper or ebook or sign up for a webinar so that should be a conversion right so ultimately we should look at those now uh, another important part is email deliverability unfortunately not uh, i see businesses face uh, face the problem when there is a problem and not segmenting the list properly basically reduce engagement. And Google and Gmail, they look at actually engagement, right? As, as if they will put your email in inbox or spam folder, right? And when we speak about loyalty, how customers, would you look uh, trustable if, uh, if your email is in spam box, right? Not so much, I would say. It would affect some, something. Another part is creative of the email. Many times I see the same boring template, long text, sending like nobody. People want to have a little bit of fun. Even on, uh, you know, uh, LinkedIn, I see trend now, people more sharing of fun things, not so much, you know, just business-like. Same with emails, animated GIFs, so animated images. It increases engagement, uh, uh, um, like, a lot. Video, for example. If there is a video in the email that basically takes you to provide some kind of interactivity, visuals, and uh, come come to this, um, you know, from creative perspective. And obviously, emails should be uh, uh, similar to websites, right? It should display properly. Doesn't matter which device you're looking at the email, mobile, tablet, uh, uh, desktop that part as well and the crucial part and to kira's point absolutely crm should be uh, integrated with email so you have some at least some data so you can pull and uh, understand what what's going on in your basically uh, list right because otherwise you, you you have a few a few issues right uh, with deliverability and you can get in trouble while, while people unsubscribe from one and you actually keep sending them emails from another system and it just creates, you know, unwanted traction. Okay, some amazing points there and I absolutely love, I think you and Kira are touching on the similar points that understand the underlying goals and understand the why and the outcome. That is super, super critical. Uh, you know, one point about making it fun, if your audience really cares for fun, if you are targeting really busy and sophisticated audience, sometimes the fun could be very distracting. So understanding the audience is super critical. And the other point about device is absolutely critical as well. Maybe you are using Gmail, you love Gmail, but if the other person is receiving that email on Microsoft, sometimes the appearance is not going to be as cool as it is appearing on your device. So figure out what your customer uses and what they care for and create a campaign around that. Thank you so much, Terry, for that. 
now, Ben, I am actually going to move to you uh, for your commentary uh, about the next segment, which is going to be Mailbot. Uh, and I think this is going to be a slightly emotional and religious argument. Some people love it. Some people hate it. Uh, you know, I think they do have a place, uh, you know, especially when you are looking at a scenario where you don't have as many customer reps, but you still want to create that engagement uh, with your consumer base. At that time, I think they have a place. Uh, they could be very handy when you are doing 24 cross 7 scenario, when you cannot really afford to have that, when your margins might be tight. So, okay, so mailbots, uh, do they have a place? Do they not have a place? Where do they have a place? Yeah, I think so. Uh, uh, I think uh, where they have a place, I think, depends on the business. I, th I think to everyone's point, depends on the business, depends on your audience, you know, uh, and everything like that. But uh, a company I consulted with a while back, the CEO had this thing going on where he said if someone respond someone is on the website and there's any way of getting their information where they do a contact form submission we have a pop-up any of that kind of stuff i want someone talking to them within two minutes i don't care what time of night it is and that wasn't the case uh, and this was a global company and you know sometimes someone's you know ceo is checking out something on the website at like three o'clock in the morning he would actually call them but what he found was in this particular instance, the mail bot served outside of what we would, he considers normal business hours. He's focused on executives particularly. He considers normal business hours for an executive to be much different than, you know, your typical nine to five. And he was able to, uh, he integrated a mail bot specifically in order to get that touch point very quickly for people because his, his thought process is very busy people. They have a few minutes. They're thinking about you right now. If you don't touch them, right then they're going to forget about it and it turns out he was right uh, he ended up actually almost doubling the conversion rate of website content or contacts by getting in touch with people quickly and of course you know the moment he was able to get an actual person to call that was ideal as well so uh i mean i've seen it work i've seen I mean, when i'm talking about double uh the conversion rates we're talking about multiple millions of dollars difference by being able to get within that two minute mark uh, that he was able to do. And I realized that, you know, an autoresponder is also an element of a mail bot. And that, those are incredibly effective as well. I think the stats are still like over 90% effective, 90% open rate on those. But, uh, it, and it, it, but again, it depends on your business, what you're trying to do, what's going on there. I think, um, and the content, the mail bot has to be structured uh, to Talia's point and to your point just a moment ago to fit the client. Uh, you can't just auto do it. I mean, uh, same company actually has uh, offices in uh, in Southeast Asia where emojis are quite popular. Same content was going out to U.S. clients, garbage conversion rates because it looked unprofessional. Uh, and this, some of this was mailbot oriented. So, again, it depends. Uh, <laughs> the short answer is it depends. The long answer is what I just said. But I, I definitely think there's a, a space for them. Um, and especially we're talking about loyalty here. Getting in front of the person at the right time with the right message, especially a busy person, that right time is right now. Uh, so I, I think, yes, um, I'm happy to be told I'm wrong and we can disagree about it. But that, that's what I would say about it. Amazing insights. The only comment I am going to have there is going to be about the minute comment that you mentioned for the executives. I think minute is a stretch. You probably get microseconds, uh, okay, yeah. uh, for the executive. That's the attention span that they have, to be, yeah. to be honest, because the kind of, you know, activities that they have going, uh, they have to go through on a daily basis. That's just a nightmare, and they have to decide. Uh, and they are completely fine with these sales pitches as long as 
that adds some sort of value that Dave yep. was talking about. <laughs> so thank you so much for that. So Dave, I'm actually going to come to you, uh, you know, for the mailbox. Do they have a place? Do they not have a place? Where do they have a place? So there's a lot of different ways that we can slice the whole mailbot thing. And one of the things that you can use a mailbot for or that you can use artificial intelligence uh, around mailing is to let your message go out at the right time based on the right person. So, you know, inside of a bot, you can just tell HubSpot, for example, to send out that message when it knows that it's most likely to be opened. That's probably going to be earlier in the day for a person that we know that happens to be an executive, et cetera. Uh, another thing that we can automatically do is to automatically respond if someone goes to a cart and doesn't complete that transaction. So for cart abandons, it's incredibly effective to automatically send them a reminder, maybe 20 minutes after they leave that page to say, hey, we missed you, come back. Um, here's a coupon for $5 off or whatever that might be to re-engage them. So it all works into how you get your revenue. I want to go back to what Steve was talking about because every time we note something in our buyer's journey, a lot of times it's real hard as marketers, as salespeople to get to that dollar figure, right? How do I, how do I make more money? Well, it's kind of complicated, but it's only complicated if you aren't willing to break it down into different segments of the buyer's journey. So our job as marketers, as salespeople is to identify every touch point in our buyer's journey into when they're looking for more things, when they're asking additional clarification points and when they're doing their research and then make sure that we're automatically delivering them content when it makes the most sense. So in my parlance, a automatic email or a mailbot can happen based on when someone's clicking inside of my email and I'm making it like a choose your own adventure, right? You know, the Encyclopedia Brown stuff. I don't know if any of you guys have read any of those as kids, but, you know, should I do A or B? And if you do A, you're dead. And if you're B, you keep going in the book. But in this case, people are wanting to get more information. And if you give them the opportunity to do some of that research themselves and let your website, let your email, let your integration with your CRM and what you know about those people, give them more of what they want you've effectively had a fantastic sales conversation with that person without them ever picking up the phone, without them ever filling out a form. So if you do this right, and, and I'm, I'm buckling all this into one massive mail bot thing, it's all automatic that sends emails, but it's all based on rules from you knowing what's most important for your customers at each step of their decision journey. Yeah, amazing insights there. Love the way you broaden the scope of the mailbot. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, mailbot, when people think they are only thinking that, you know, it's a bot that I'm talking to right. on the side. But in your, uh, you know, explanation, I think the mailbot has much uh, deeper uh, implications overall in the process. I also love the scenario that you mentioned about the card abandonment. Uh, I think that's a great place there, um, you know, for the automation. I don't know if a lot of people are going to agree whether that's a mailbot. That could be a little religious argument there. But yeah, automation is required. So I completely agree and love the way you keep bringing the dollar and sales. Thank you so much, Dave, for that. Kira, I'm actually coming to you uh, about mailbots. Uh, do they have a place? Do they not have a place? Where do they have a place? Yes. So I loved Ben and Dave's uh, conversations because they both described that the mailbots are good when they have a point, right? So it can be a B2C e-commerce solution 
There are tons of those tools in place where everything is already automated. You just switch it on and off and you test. Does it work Doesn't uh, or doesn't it work? But to me, all the automated messaging opens a Pandora box, I would say, because it's not only mail bots, like as they said, where just faking everything sending being sent automated into mail bots, but there's the whole um, direction of conversational marketing live chats, you know, drifts of the world. Do you want to do mailbots or do you prefer a conversation, automated conversation on the website where there is like live uh, ping pong um, there and then all this conversation goes into your CRM and then hmm, maybe if it's a qualified lead, maybe a salesperson needs to take it over. So I would just go back to Tali's point from the beginning of the conversation about the holistic approach If you are a business who doesn't have a good marketing resource, maybe you can see what the best practices are applying Mailbot to businesses like yours and you can test it out. If you want to be like really more holistic, just take into account that it will take more time and effort to analyze what your processes are and what tools can support those processes. Because like on the operational level, Automated emails can be sent from within CRM. So what's the best combination, right? What is good for converting the lead into an opportunity? And what's a good automation for operational uh, delivery stages of your business? Okay, love the insights. and love the way you keep bringing the uh, point about the outcome and the holistic approach. Thank you so much, Kira, for that. Uh, Steve, I'm actually going to come to you for the mail bot. Do they have a place? Do they not have a place? Where do they have a place? Well, I'm going to um, try and segment the conversation a little bit because in my view, mailbots and chatbots have the same challenge, but chatbots have less of a challenge because it, because of the interactivity that human beings are willing to give them. So what, what we're really talking about, like the definition of a mailbot is just a, a mail server that responds to somebody who sends an email, right? So an out-of-office reply is a mailbot. Functionally, uh, literally, when we're talking about HubSpot and all the, these other systems, they're all mailbots. But we're the the mail is going out not because someone sent an email; it's because they've taken some activities and we've put them in some categories and we've made some definitions and we think we know who they are and what we want to send them. Now, in the case of a a chatbot, the way chatbots generally get developed is that they get developed from the actual answers that human beings are responding to inside a chat of live chat. And so um, that that's actually harder to do in an email, meaning if, if you're going to have somebody send an email to something that then is going to use some sort of like artificial intelligence or even a rule to know what to respond to, you have to populate that with some information. So what we're really talking about is how do we use the words that someone types in? And in the case of a chatbot, we can talk about that. If they send it via email, how do you parse those words out to know what they're actually asking so that you can send a response back, right? Now, the challenge with emails, I'm going to say there's not a place for them yet for most people because most people don't understand how to do it very well. And it's also a lot harder to do than chat uh, because people don't interact with emails as rapidly as they do with chat. For instance, you can get on a live website and you can say, what's the replacement part for sanding belts for this thing? And a live chat person can respond to that. And that question and answer can go into a database. 
if someone ever types in that exact response, or sorry, that exact question, which is fairly likely, depending on how they word it, they can be given that response automatically in the middle of the night while all the customer service people are asleep. That's that's the true purpose of a chat bot. Um, it's also the true purpose of an email bot, the way we're talking about a mail bot. But once again, my my answer is email bot stuff isn't quite there yet because the interactions that happen back and forth between an email aren't rapid enough and good enough. And most companies don't have enough history in order to send an email back to the person who sent the email that's actually relevant. And my example is if you use LinkedIn at all, you know someone's friended you. And the second you hit, yes, I'll be your friend, they send you an email saying something that sounds very personable. Yeah, that's Dave, Dave's given the thumbs down. Absolutely. It wasn't personable. It wasn't meant for me. I didn't ask for it. I didn't care for it. That's what usually happens in mailbots right now. Chatbots, not so much because they're actually populated by human beings, customer service folks. So I'm all for chatbots. Right now, I'm anti-mailbot until someone shows me how to, that they can do it right. I haven't seen it yet. Okay, great insights. And by the way, kudos to you because you are the first one who is pointing out the distinction between chatbot and mailbot. So thank you so much for that. Telly, I am actually going to move to you. Mailbots, do they have a place? Do they not have a place? Where do they have a place? So actually, all those interactions in email, I would not call them a mailbot. I would call them automations, abandoned cart. Uh, welcome email is the same, right? Someone signs for, for newsletter, they receive automatic welcome email. Someone purchase something, they receive, you know, triggered emails. So triggered emails. So this is I I see it's it's different from chatbot. And I personally had very bad experience with chatbot. Unlike Steve, I, I hate it. I was so frustrated I just left the website. So unless there is a live person on, on chat that I can ask. I'm not even starting to waste my time. So I think there is a way to go and to go. And as um, to, for example, abandoned cart email, uh, the conversions for abandoned cart emails are really, really high. Open rates, conversions. So it could increase more than 50% uh, conversions for, for a product. But this would be, to Kier's point, it would be right for B2C, someone who sells, you know, e-commerce store. Now, uh, for manufacturing client, I mean, abandoned cart probably depends also on manufacturing, but most likely it wouldn't be the case, right? There, there should be some other ways of uh, automations or triggered emails to uh, uh, to engage with customers. Or when we speak about nurturing customers, automated sequences, all those emails are based on certain triggers and they are relying either on previous action from a customer or subscriber or on something else right so all those are automated basically so uh, i agree with steve so we have a long way to go for for mail bots i don't see it uh, as bots i i would look at it as automation and uh, bots bots have a long way to go all right, amazing. So we are close to our time now. So the only thing we can take is going to be just one word closing advice and maybe three words, not more than that. Ben, I am actually going to start with you. Closing advice, please. Sorry. Email's not dead. Okay, amazing. Thank you so much, Ben. <laughs> Dave, closing advice, please. Use email in a system like HubSpot in order to get the best results. Love it. Thank you so much, Dave. Uh, Kira, closing advice, please. 
Don't over sophisticate, start small, learn what works, and then continue. Awesome. Super cool. Uh, Steve, closing advice, please. Watch lifetime value. Love it. Telly, closing advice, please. If you haven't uh, started email marketing yet, the time is now. Awesome, guys. So that's it for today. If you joined for the first time, this was part of our e-commerce series for which we meet every Wednesday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern. We pick one topic related to e-commerce. We always have a very exciting panel for you. We are going to be here next week. So make sure you are not going to miss next week's show. On that note, I just want to thank you, everybody, for your time and insights today. Thank you, Sam. It's been great to be here. Thanks, Sam. Glad to be back. Thank you, I cannot thank our guests enough for coming on the show, for sharing their knowledge and journey. I always pick up learnings from our guests and hopefully you learned something new today. If you want to learn more about Ben CRC, head over to govi.io. It's G-O-V-I dot I-O. If you want to learn more about Steve Rice, head over to dot com jungle dot com. It's D-O-T-C-O-M-J-U-N-G-L-E dot com. If you want to learn more about Dave Meyer, head over to busyweb.com. It's B-I-Z-Z-Y-W-E-B.com. If you want to learn more about Kira Chernikovsky, head over to customerization.ca. It's C-U-S-T-O-M-E-R-I-Z-A-T-I-O-N.ca. If you want to learn more about Telly Hasanov, head over to wsidigitalpath.com. It's W-S-I-D-I-G-I-T-A-L-P-A. TH.com. Links and more information will also be available in the show notes. If anything in this podcast resonated with you and your business, you might want to check other related episodes, including the interview with Dave Meyer from BusyWeb, who describes how marketing automation works and why that is important to understand customer journeys. Also, the interview with Daniel Engelbretson, who shares his insights into the demand generation strategies for new product development. Also, don't forget to subscribe and spread the word among folks with similar backgrounds. If you have any questions or comments about the show, please review and rate us on your favorite podcasting platform or DM me on any social channels. I'll try my best to respond personally and make sure you get help. Thank you and I hope to catch you on the next episode of the WBS Podcast. Thank you for listening to another episode of the WBS Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform so you never miss an episode. For more information on growth strategies for SMBs using ERP and digital transformation, check out our community at wbs.rocks. We'll see you next time.